Chapter Six of the Headless Horseman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Headless Horseman: A Strange Tale of Texas by Maine Reed. Chapter Six: The Spotted Mustang. Phelim was not mistaken as to the voice that had hailed him. It was that of his master, Maurice Gerald. On getting outside, he saw the mustanger at a short distance from the door, and advancing towards it, as a servant should have expected, his master was mounted upon his horse, no longer of a reddish color, but appearing almost black. The animal's coat was darkened with sweat, its counter and flanks speckled with foam. The blood bay was not alone. At the end of the lazo, drawn taut from the saddle tree, was a companion, or to speak more accurately, a captive with a leathern thong loops around its underjaw and firmly embracing the bars of its mouth kept in place by another passing over its neck immediately behind the ears was the captive secured it was a mustang of peculiar appearance as regarded its markings which were of a kind rarely seen even among the largest gangs that roam over the prairie pastures where colors of the most eccentric patterns are not uncommon that of the animal in question was a ground of dark chocolate in places approaching to black, with white spots distributed over it, as regularly as the contrary colors upon the skin of the jaguar. As if to give effect to this pleasing arrangement of hues, the creature was of perfect shape, broad-chested, full in the flank, and clean-limbed, with a hoof showing half a score of concentric rings had a head that might have been taken as a type of in-queen beauty. It was of large size for a mustang, though much smaller than the ordinary English horse, even smaller than the blood bay himself, a mustang, that had assisted in its capture. The beautiful captive was a mare, one of the manada, that frequented the plains near the source of the Alamo, and where, for the third time, the mustanger had unsuccessfully chased it. In his case, the proverb had proved untrue, in the third time he had not found the charm though it favored him in the fourth by the fascination of a long rope with a running noose at its end he had secured the creature that for some reason known only to himself he so ardently wished to possess phelim had never seen his master return from a horse-hunting excursion in such a state of excitement even when coming back as he often did with half a dozen mustangs led loosely at the end of his lazo but never before at the end of that implement had phelim beheld such a beauty as the spotted mare she was a thing to excite the admiration of one less a connoisseur in horseflesh than the ci devant stable boy of castle bala hooch hoop hora cried he as he set eyes upon the captive as the same time tossing his hat high into the air thanks to the howly vargin and saint patrick to boot master maurice Yes, have cotched to the spotty at last. It's a mare, be japers. Och, the perthy crather. I don't wonder yez have been so bad about gettin' howl of her. Sowl, if yez had her in bellin' a soil fair, yez might ask your own price, and get it too, without givin' sixpence of lecpenny. Oh, the purty crather. Where will yez have her put, master, into the corral with the others? no she might get kicked among them we shall tie her in the shed castro must pass his night outside among the trees if he's got any gallantry in him he won't mind that 
Did you ever see anything so beautiful as she is, Phelim? I mean, in the way of horseflesh? Never. Master Maurice, never in all me life. And I've seen some nice bits of blood about Bella Bella. Oh, the purty crather. She looks as if a body could ate her. And yet, in trath, she looks like she would ate you. Yous haven't given her the schoolin' lesson, have yous? No, Phelim, I don't want to break her just yet. Not till I have time, and can do it properly. It would never do to spoil such perfection as that. I shall tame her, after we've taken her to the settlements. Yous be goin' there, Master Maurice, when? Tomorrow. We shall start by daybreak, so as to make only one day between here and the fort. Sowl, I'm glad to hear it. Not on me, own count, but yours, Master Maurice. Maybe yous don't know that the whiskey's on the edge of bein' out, from the rattle of the jar. I don't think there's more than three naggins left. Them sutlers at the fort ain't honest. They chate ye in the mazure, besides waterin' the whiskey, so that it won't bear a drap more of the strain hair. Trath, a gallon of Inishowen would last a th to three of this American rotgut, as the Yankees themselves christen it. Never mind about the whiskey, Phelim. I suppose there's enough to last us for this night, and fill our flasks for the journey of tomorrow. Look alive, old Ballybala. Let us stable the spotted mare, and then I shall have time to talk about a fresh supply of potheen, which I know you like better than anything else except yourself. And you, Master Maurice, retorted the Galwegian with a comical twinkle of the eye that caused his master to leap laughingly out of the saddle. The spotted mare was soon stabled in the shed, Castro being temporarily attached to a tree, where Phelim proceeded to groom him after the most approved prairie fashion. The mustanger threw himself on his horse-skin couch, wearied with the work of the day. The capture of a Yega Pinta had cost him a long and arduous chase, such as he had never ridden before in pursuit of a mustang. There was a motive that had urged him on, unknown to Phelim, unknown to Castro who carried him, unknown to living creature, save himself. Notwithstanding that he had spent several days in the saddle, the last three in constant pursuit of the spotted mare, despite the weariness thus occasioned, he was unable to obtain repose. At intervals he rose to his feet and paced the floor of his hut, as if stirred by some exciting emotion. For several nights he had slept uneasily, at intervals tossing upon his catre, till not only his henchman Phelim, but his hound Tara, wondered that could be the meaning of his unrest. The former might have attributed it to his desire to possess the spotted mare, had he not known that his master's feverish feeling antedated his knowledge of the existence of this peculiar quadruped. It was several days after his last return from the fort that the Yuga Pinta had first presented herself to the eye of the mustanger, that therefore could not be the cause of his altered demeanor. His success in having secured the animal, instead of tranquilizing his spirit, seemed to have produced the contrary effect. At least, so thought Phelim, who, with the freedom of that relationship known as foster-brother, had at length determined on questioning his master as to the cause of his unquietude. As the latter lay shifting from side to side, he was saluted with the interrogatory. Master Maurice, what in the name of the Holy Virgin is the matter with you? Nothing, Phelim, nothing. My boil. What makes you think there is? Alana, how can I help thinking it? Yez can't get a wink of sleep, never since you returned the last time from the settlement. Oh, yez have seen something there that keeps ye awake. Sure now, it isn't one of them Mexican girls, machauchas, as they call em. 
No, I won't believe it. You wouldn't be one of the old Geralds to care for such trash as them. Nonsense, my good fellow. There's nothing the matter with me. It's all your own imagination. Trath, master, yous are mistaken. If there's anything astray wid me imagination, what is it that's gone wrong wid your own? That is, when yous are asleep, which aren't often of light, when I'm asleep. What do you mean, fellum? What div I mean? Why, that whatever yous close your eyes and think it is you sleepin', yous begin plaverin' as if a priest was confessin' ye. Ah, is that so? What have you heard me say? Not much, master, that I can make sense out of. Yous be always tryin' to pronounce a big name that appears to be have no Indian, though it begins with a point. A name? What name? Sowl, I can't tell you exactly. It's too long for me to remember, seeing that my education was entirely neglected. But there's another name that yous put before it, and that I can tell you. It's a woman's name, though it's not common in the old country. It's Louise that you say, Master Maurice, and then comes the point. Ah, interrupted the young Irishman, evidently not caring to converse longer on the subject. Some name I may have heard, somewhere accidentally. One does have such strange ideas in dreams. Trath, you spake the truth there, for in your drains. Master, you talk about a pretty girl looking out of a carriage with curtains to it, and telling her to close them against some danger that yous are going to save her from. I wonder what put such nonsense into my head. I wonder myself, rejoined Phelim, fixing his eyes upon his young master with a stealthy but scrutinizing look. Sure, he continued, if I may make bold to ask the question, sure, Master Maurice, yous haven't been making a Judy Fitzsimmons mother of yourself, and fallen in love with one of these Yankee women out here. Oh, Anani, that would be a misfortune. And thwat would she say? The purty Colleen with the golden hair and blue eyes that lives not twenty miles from Balibala? Paul, Paul, Phelim, you are taking leave of your senses, I fear. Trath, master, I aren't, but I know something. I would like to take av. What is that? Not me, I hope. You, Alana? Never. It's Tixis, I mean. I'd like to take lave of that. And you going along we'd be back on the old sad? Arrah now, what's the use of your staying here? Wastin' the best part of your days and doin' nothin'? Sure yous don't make more than a bare livin' by the horse catchin'. And if yous did, what matters it? Your old aunt at Castle Bala can't hold out much longer, and when she's dead, the beautiful domain'll be yours. Spite of the dirty way she'd treatin' ye, sure the property's got a tail to it, and not a mother's son out of them cape ye out of it. Ha ha ha! Laughed the young Irishman. You're quite a lawyer, fellum. What a first-rate attorney you'd have made! But come, you forget that I haven't tasted food since morning. What have you got in the larder? Trath. There's no great stock, master. Yes, haven't laid in anything for the three days yes have been after spotty. There's only the cowled venison and the core bread. If yes like, I'll put the venison in the pat and make a hash of it. Yes, do so. I can wait. Won't yes wait better after trath than a drap of the crather? True, let me have it. Will yes take it, Nate? Will yes take it, Nate, or with a little warther? Trath, it won't carry much of that same. A glass of grog, draw the water fresh from the stream. Phelim took hold of the silver drinking cup, and was about stepping outside, when a growl from Tara, accompanied by a start, and followed by a rush across the door, caused the servitor 
to approach the door with a certain degree of caution the barking of the dog soon subsided into a series of joyful whimperings which told that he had been gratified by the sight of some old acquaintance it's old zeb stump said phelim first peeping out and then stepping boldly forth with the double design of greeting the newcomer and executing the order he had received from his master the individual who had thus freely presented himself in front of the mustanger's cabin was as unlike either of its occupants as one from the other he stood fall six feet high in a pair of tall boots fabricated out of tanned alligator skin into the ample tops of which there thrust the bottom of his pantaloons the latter being of woolen homespun that had been dyed with dogwood ooze but was now of a simple dirt color a deerskin undershirt without any other covered his breast and shoulders over which has a blanket coat that had once been green long since gone to a greenish yellow with most of the wool worn off there was no other garment to be seen a slouch felt hat of grayish color badly battered completing the simple and somewhat scant collection of his wardrobe he was equipped in the style of a backwoods hunter of the true daniel boone breed bullet pouch and large crescent shaped powder horn both suspended by shoulder straps hanging under the right arm a waist belt of thick leather keeping his coat closed and sustaining a skin sheath from which protruded the rough staghorn handle of a long-bladed knife he did not affect either moccasins leggings nor the caped and fringed tunic shirt of the dress deerskin worn by most texan hunters there was no embroidery upon his coarse clothing no carving upon his accoutrements or weapons nothing in his tout ensemble intended as ornamental everything was plain almost to rudeness as if dictated by a spirit that despised fanfare on even the rifle his reliable weapon the chief tool of his trade looked like a rounded bar of iron with a piece of brown unpolished wood at the end forming its stock stock and barrel when the butt rested on the ground reaching up to the level of his shoulder the individual thus clothed and equipped was apparently about fifty years of age with a complexion inclining to dark and features that at first sight exhibited a grave aspect on close scrutiny however could be detected an underlying stratum of quiet humor and in the twinkle of a small grayish eye there was evidence that its owner could keenly relish a joke or at times perpetrate one the irishman had pronounced its name it was zebulon stump or old zeb stump as he was better known to the very limited circle of his acquaintances kentuck by birth and racin as he would have described himself if asked the country of his nativity he had passed the early part of his life among the primeval forests of the lower mississippi his stole calling that of a hunter and now at a later period he was performing the same metier in the wilds of southwestern texas the behavior of the staghound as it bounded before him exhibiting a series of canine welcomes told of a friendly acquaintance between zeb stump and maurice the mustanger evening iaconali saluted stump as his tail figure shadowed the cabin door good evening mr stump rejoined the owner of the hut rising to receive him step inside and take a seat the hunter accepted the invitation and making a single stride across the floor after some awkward maneuvering succeeded in planting himself on the stool lately occupied by phelim the lowness of the seat brought his knees upon a level with his chin the tall rifle rising like a pickstaff several feet above his head dern stools anyhow muttered he evidently dissatisfied with the posture and sure's too for that matter i likes to plant my starn upon a log 
there you's got something under ye as ain't like to give way try that said his host pointing to the leathern portmanteau in the corner you'll find it a firmer seat old zeb adopting the suggestion unfolded the zigzag of his colossal carcass and transferred it to the trunk on foot mr stump as usual no i got my old critter but they're tried to a saplin i want to huntin you never hunt on horseback i believe i should be a greenhorn if i did anybody goes huntin on a hossback must be a durnation fool but it's the universal fashion in texas universal or no it air a fool's fashion a durned lazy fool's fashion i kill more meat in one day afoot than i keyed in a whole week wi' a boss atween my legs i don't misdoubt that a hoss air the best thing for you bein as your game's entire different but when ye go after bar or deer or turkey either ye won't see much of them trampin about through the timmer a hossback and scarin everything as has got ears ithin the circuit o a mile as for hosses i shouldn't be bothered wi near a one nohow if twant for packin the meat that's why i keep my old mare she's outside you say let fellum take her round to the shed you'll stay all night i kim for that purpose but ye needn't trouble about the mar she air hitched safe enough i'll let her out on the larrikit afore i take to grass you'll have something to eat fellum was just getting supper ready i'm sorry i can't offer you anything very dainty some hash of venison nothin better in good deer meat ceptin it be a bear but i like both done o'er the coals maybe i can help ye to sun that'll make a roast mr Phelum, if ye don't mind steppin to where my critter air hitched you'll find a gobbler hangin over the horn of the settle i shot the bird as i wore comin up the crick oh that is rare good fortune our larder has got very low quite out in truth i've been so occupied for the last three days and chasing a very curious mustang that i never thought of taking my gun with me fellum and i and tara too had got to the edge of starvation what sort of mustang inquired the hunter in a tone that betrayed interest and without appearing to notice the final remark a mare with white spots on a dark chocolate ground a splendid creature dern it young feller that's airs the very business that's brung me over to ye indeed i've seed that mustang mar ye say it air though i keen it tall as she'd never let me ithin half a mile o here i've seed her several times out on the puria and i just wanted ye to go after her i'll tell you why i've been to the leona settlements since i seed you last and since i seed her too while there have kim there a man as i knowed on the mississippi he air a rich planter as used to keep up the tallest kind o' doin's specially in the feastin way many the gentle deer mate and many the turkey gobbler with his here coon has supplied for his table his name air poindexter poindexter that air the name oh the best known on the mississippi from orleans to st louis he wore rich then and i reckon ain't poor now seein as he's brought about a hundred niggers along wi him beside there's a nephew o hissin by name calhoun he's got the dollars and nothin to do wi him but lend em to his uncle the which for a certain reason i think he will now young feller i tell you why i wanted to see you that air planter have got a darter as they are dead bent upon horseflesh she used to ride the skittishest kind of cattle in Louisianer, where they lived he heard me tellin the old un bout the spotted mustang and nothin would content her there and then 
till he promised he'd offer a big price for catching the critter. He stayed he'd give a couple of hundred dollars for the animal, ef twere anything like what I said it were. In course, I knowed that ye'd send all the mustangers in the settlement straight to strut after it. So saying nothing to nobody, I came over here, fast as my old mar, ud fetch me. You grew up at there spotty, and said Stump'll go or bury a grab them two hundred dollars. Will you step this way, Mr. Stump? said the young Irishman, rising from his stool, and proceeding in the direction of the door. The hunter followed, not without showing some surprise at the abrupt invitation. Maurice conducted his visitor round to the rear of the cabin, and pointing to the shed, inquired, Does that look anything like the musting you've been speaking of? Doggone my cats, if tain't the identical same. Grupped already. Two hundred dollars, easiest slant down a bark sapling, young feller. You're in luck. Two hundred, slick sure. And durn me, if the animal ain't worth every cent of the money, just so fat. What a putty beast it air. Won't Miss Poindexter be pleased. It'll turn that young critter most crazy. End of chapter 6